that all men are created equal. Our fates are linked. Race issues are controversial, but that's precisely the reason why we need to talk about them. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing Indian American culture and how that relates to each of us. I'm Gary Nair. I'm a senior at Hillsborough High School, and um, I was born in the United States, but my parents are from South India. Um, Indian American culture, for me, personally incorporates dance, which I've been doing for about 14 years, um, as well as the Indian American community at school and being able to navigate my Indian culture and heritage while also my American identity that I was born with as a citizen of this country. Hello, my name is Nikhil Patel. Um, I'm a sophomore at Hillsborough High School and um, for me being an Indian American entitles um, knowing like where I come from and how that has influenced my life and my family life specifically um, and what that means for like my life going forward as a person, a part of the LGBTQ community. Uh, Hi, I'm Samarth. Uh, I'm also a sophomore at Hillsborough High School. And uh, being Indian for me is kind of managing that switch uh, from home life to school with your culture and how like you're supposed to act with certain kinds of people and kind of feeling left out of certain Indian groups and certain white groups being in like that middle point where you're like you don't fit into either realm and uh, that's like a big thing about my culture and how I feel. So to start off I want to go off of what Samarth just said and discuss when did you when we each of us realized that um, being an Indian American was like a differentiating factor from the rest of our peers and how we navigated having our Indian culture while still being integrated into American society. For me personally, when I first started to realize that was in elementary school. I went to elementary school in Franklin, not Hillsborough, which has uh, somewhat of a less population of Indian Americans. So it was interesting for me and honestly the first time where I kind of realized that I was different from other people and didn't necessarily see representation of people who look like me in both my peers and my teachers. Um... So that kind of led to me having a similar, I guess, thing as to code switching where I would act differently at home versus at school. And quite frankly, I the first language I ever learned was Malayalam, which is a Southern Indian language. But when I started going to school, I started speaking in English um, all the time and kind of lost and lost touch with that language because it was just more common to um, see that at school. So Nikhil, why don't we start out with you so for me i lived in new jersey until i was four i was living in marlboro when i was way younger so i don't really remember it and then i moved to hillsborough when i was about three turning four and um i remember like there's a pretty from both towns i was in it's it was a pretty like there was a good indian american population And so I didn't really think about the implications of being an Indian American that early on in my life, I'd say. And then when I was four, I had to move to Belgium because of my dad's work. So I lived in Belgium from ages four to seven. And from then, that's when I started to realize, because Europe is quite the different 
place to live in than New Jersey. It's um, a lot more less diverse. And the school I was going to was an international school. So there was people from everywhere, but it was still less diverse than I would say than here, considering Asian Americans. And so I feel like when I lived in Belgium, it was more like I like wide open like that. I'm different. So I felt kind of more different in Belgium. Was it more obvious to you being outside of the United States? Personally, I've never lived outside of the United States for a prolonged period of time. But being in another country like that um, in Europe, was it different? Did you Was it more obvious the differences that were between you and the other people that you were with? And what was the transition like from living in the United States to going um, to Europe and, you know, the transition back? Because I would imagine that would also be kind of different and difficult. The thing is with me is I was so young. I was only ages four to seven. So most of us, right, we really don't understand anything. And like we always have those implicit biases that are hidden underneath. But I think that for me, I was never, um, like I never really got to figure out the differences when I was, because I was just so young. And when I think about my brother, I know he faced a lot of bullying and he would like come home crying every day. And like, it was terrible. Um, and it it was mainly because, you know, he was Indian and there wasn't many Indian kids there. And like, um, so for me personally, I didn't really experience, but I saw my brother experience it as a middle schooler and as like beginning high school. So yeah, that that's how it was for me. And then moving back also wasn't really hard for me because like I said, I was so young that I kind of just fit back in while for my brother, he was going into high school. It was way harder for him to ingrain himself in his class because he had been gone for three years. So for me, I'd say it was a lot easier than my brother per se. And Samara? Yeah, for me, I mean, I lived in Hillsborough basically my entire life, at least the parts I remember. Um, so like, I never faced the issue of being like singled out because of my race and like especially in my neighborhood like Nick you can attest to this basically like everyone here is Indian so it's like I never really felt that like at least for like being me being Indian um being singled out in like a, a crowd of my like in my neighborhood or even in school like right now Hillsborough High School like there's a pretty big Asian American population so I've never felt like that because I'm Indian but I mean, it's always been hard because there are uh, a lot of my friends, like they, I, they weren't always Indian. So like whenever I was, especially like in my dance crowd, because of dance, I wasn't always um, friends with like Indian people, um, especially recently because I go to a predominantly like white dance school now. So because of that, like I've been one of the only Indian like people there and going from a neighborhood with all Indian folks to like a dance school or actually I'll rephrase it going from a dance school with all Indian people um I was part of OM for a long time uh which was like great uh love dancing there and then I switched to an all-American dance studio so that was a big change for me because going by, by being surrounded by like all people who looked like me going and then to like a place where everyone was white was definitely a struggle for me so I didn't face it too much in like my everyday life but in dance and like dance conventions events that's always been a struggle because there was there's very little Indian representation in like dance and the arts 
So, Has the lack of representation been difficult? I mean, I would imagine that being in a place where there isn't that many people that look like you would be intimidating or, you know, difficult to get into. And have you had any, any experiences where people question you or ask you different things just because you don't look like everybody else that's there? Yeah, I think I had to prove myself more um, in certain situations. Like um, in certain certain situations, it's been an advantage, but in others, it hasn't like if I want to stand out, like, it's pretty easy to because I'm, like, the only brown boy out of every 300 white girls, so, like, I stand out like that, but at the same time, if I do something wrong, I'm judged more than everyone around me, so, like, I have to, like, work 10 times harder um, and faster to achieve the same thing as a person standing next to me. And, like, since you've changed um, to the new dance team that is predominantly white, have things gotten better like how long have you been with the new dance team and have you seen an improvement of the way either you've been treated or how you feel in the environment that you are in yeah definitely i think uh your first question uh, i've been part of the studio for about like four to five years now it's been a long time since like i was just in the bollywood studio um so like it's definitely gotten better over the years because now I don't really, to be honest, I don't really care anymore. Like I used to actually felt like, feel like hurt by that, but like I don't, I stopped caring about those things and I'm just like minding my own like business. But like, I think in discrimination aspect, it's gotten much less because maybe because either I've gotten better or I focused more on myself than focusing on like how I've been discriminated in that area. So yeah, definitely improved. So to pivot off of that a little bit, I kind of want to talk about being Indian American or Asian American and um, school and academics, because there's often a lot of stereotypes around being Indian American or Asian American and how we perform in school, whether that is um, being pushed to get really great grades or go into fields that have or are cognizant of really high academic achievement, either by ourselves or community or our family members so how has that affected you do you believe it exists um and what does it do for our community or how does it harm our community um so for me personally i think that in i have really not been the brightest out of the bunch right i'm not like you're uh you're like really smart stereotypical indian kid i'm like i was one of the first like earlier on in like eighth grade i started like my grades started to slip and i really never learned how to do well in school at least for me and there was this pressure not only from my parents but just you know when you're indian there's this higher standard for you like people come to you oh my god do you have the answers like there's a lot of that oh my god wait, do you have the answers? Can I look at your answers? Because you're probably right. When there are sometimes, you know, I'm not right. Wow, insane. And it's just like that added pressure of like feeling like you have to do good to kind of get by as a person who is a part of the Asian American community is like rough, I'd say. And like, until recently, my grades were like pretty poor over the pandemic because of mental reasons. So it was like hard for me because of this like um, standard I was being held up to, especially. 
and that would like cause like breakdowns because I felt like I couldn't reach the standard that was set for me just by being Asian. So yeah, that that's kind of kind of how I feel about it. So Nikhil, did you have you ever felt like um like is there anything you've done like that made you um kind of like fight these like standards that are like set upon you all the time? I think over time I started to stop caring about my grades and start caring about the work I'm actually producing. I stopped caring about the number value I was getting and how that would reflect as an Asian American, I guess, and started to work hard to not only for myself, but for um, work hard to learn something and like kind of enjoy what I'm learning rather than do it for academic validation of being an Asian. So just to go off of that real quick, I think one of the biggest issues that we don't necessarily talk about is the internal pressures from the Asian community as well as the external pressures. So obviously there's like the pressures or stereotypes that are more common, like everyone thinking that you have the right answer on a test or um, believing that every Asian person or every Indian person is good at math and science, even if you're like me and you're really, really not. Um, But I think the other part of that is when those stereotypes and pressures exist, if we don't achieve that or don't live up to that, it creates an identity crisis for ourselves. So for example, if if I'm not doing well in, in like science or math, does that mean that I'm not Asian enough? Is that representative of how... I fit into my community and on the other hand of that if we do achieve those things I feel like it also causes us to sometimes believe that it's because we're Asian because we're Indian and that's a really harmful um, result of that stereotype and the effect that exists and I think that's something that needs to be looked at more carefully in our society. So to that extent I wanted to ask what role and to what extent does academic and professional achievement play a role in our community? And do those pressures, in some cases, benefit our community or does it cause more harm? But like, I've always like felt pressure from that too. And like, I mean, as a child, I feel like in certain times I fit the stereotype because at like in certain situations, I was a smart person, but like, a lot of the times it's like you do it once and then you have a constant pressure your entire life to fit that and then on the opposite end of the spectrum you also want to like break out of that kind of stereotype and be like okay like i don't need to be a nerdy science dude if i'm indian right like you have that like feeling to not be that and like recently that's like how i felt and it's like really weird how like our families like that's a big thing and then also the stereotype of being asian american like it sets us up for like so much so much academic pressure um throughout our high school career so So speaking of family and um i'm gonna try to bring in code swinging code switching too for this how do you feel that you guys behave in front of your family compared to your peers at school compared to just like when you're by yourself in your mind because for me personally when I'm home my parents like feel like I don't talk a lot or that I'm not very open 
when in actuality, I'm very talkative, I'm very like extroverted, and I love talking, I can talk so much, especially around my friends in school. And I love just my mind is always going crazy. So I feel like for me personally, I feel like my Indian identity, my Asian identity is kind of like stopping me the it's kind of stopping me from being who I am in front of my parents because I'm worried about what they will think because of how my parents kind of had also had to uphold standards for their parents and how their parents have also had to uphold standards. It's a constant cycle. So personally, I've been really fortunate to have parents that I'm really open with um, in terms of everything and anything. Um, But that being said, I don't think it's always been like that. And I also believe that in any immigrant family, there is a level of code switching which occurs when you're with your family and when you go out to the public. But I I think what's really interesting about that is who's responsible for the code switching. Because in many cases, it might be a generational thing or it might be dependent on the experiences that each individual in the family has. So, for example, in my family, when my father first immigrated from India to the United States, he moved to Arkansas, which is demographically very different from New Jersey, uh, where we currently live. So from that experience and from um, the environment that he was in, there's a lot of things that are different between me and some of my other Indian American friends. For example, when I was uh, growing up in an elementary school, a lot of my Indian friends would bring Indian food for lunch, whereas I would always have like a sandwich or um, kind of like a stereotypical American lunch. Um, and I think that's partially something that my parents did. It was never something that I um, brought up that often. But I think that a lot of times it comes from the experiences that each individual has and that translates to a generational uh, difference in how we interact with other people in our communities. Now, in terms of familial pressure and stressors, uh, I don't know if this goes off of what Samartha said, but oftentimes we have this like stereotype that Indian Americans or Asian Americans are going to be like doctors, engineers, or lawyers. And I know I want to be a lawyer, but that isn't necessarily because of familial pressures or influences it's more of me personally wanting to pursue that career path but oftentimes when it's brought up a lot of people assume it's because of those pressures or stereotypes that we go into those careers and I'm not saying that sometimes it isn't sometimes it does play a part because the truth is in many cases you do do receive those uh, pressures from either your direct family or your cousins and aunts and uncles But um, I think it's really important to differentiate the two because oftentimes we're kind of presumed to go into certain things because of our culture and the stereotypes that are associated with it. Yeah, the whole topic of code switching is actually really interesting because that's been a whole thing in my life too. And like, I never had like a name for it. Like I never knew that was an actual thing that people actually did. But a lot of times like, that personality switch between home and school at least for me I don't like I don't act like the same at home than I do at school like food for example Gori that you brought up like I I had I 
Indian food at home like every other night but like in school and like stuff like that I don't really do that and also just the way I talk I'm like much more talkative at school and energetic at school than I am like at home like I don't really talk that much at home um so like it's like that a big switch at least for me like both um personality wise and like culture wise um between like at home and then school so going off of what both of you said I think the general consensus was that both of you were more talkative and outgoing at school and a little bit more reserved and quiet at home so I was just wondering what what does that stem from why are you more outgoing at school and why are you more reserved and quiet at home so for me um I guess I feel more like not safe I don't think safe is the right word but more like comfortable, I guess. Yeah, that's the word. I feel more comfortable around my peers being more free and open and like extroverted in a way comparatively to my parents at home. One thing is that I talk so much during school is that when I get home, I don't want to talk. I'm tired. (laughs) Like I get to that point where I'm like, okay. And they kind of take it as you don't want to talk to us, which isn't true. It's just, I'm tired. And I feel like um, I not only do I feel more comfortable, so I spend more of my energy talking to my peers than my parents. I just enjoy my peers' company more, and I guess I there's been events in my life where I feel like I don't really have an outlet at home, but I do have it in other places that don't exactly come home and come to talking to my parents. And so I have gotten more open, but it's like harder. But like when I was younger, I was really kind of self-contained and I saved it all for school. And like nowadays it's more open and we talk more and it's like way better. It's a way better place to be in, but it is it was like a hard journey to get there in the first place. Yeah, I also agree. I mean, for me, like I talk at home, but it's like, different types of conversations I could say like I talk a lot with my parents like over dinner and stuff but like it's never about the things that I talk with my friends and like obviously there's things that you talk about with your friends with your parents but like I like Nikhil said I'm so much more comfortable with my friends and for me at least it's been like that since a young age like I think I surrounded myself with like other like my non like not my parents as a child like more so over time I've obviously become more comfortable with them so like I talk a lot but the I think the topic of conversation is so much more like truthful and like raw when I'm with my friends compared to like that kind of like shield you put up when you're like with like your parents like for me sometimes it's the opposite for certain people but like for me it's like that so I wanted to ask both of you how you deal with pressures and expectations that uh older people and others in the community have for you I can speak um as a girl or as a woman um in the Indian American community uh this kind of relates to Nikhil's future episode on colorism but uh I'm like considered to be in comparison to a lot of other Indian people to be like more light like light-skinned uh That being said, whenever my aunt would come uh, from India to visit us, she'd be like, don't play in the sun because you're going to get tan. 
or other people or you know parents other relatives or family friends would be like oh don't wear that because you're inviting trouble and things like that which I think are um, typically aimed towards women but at the same time I think they're very much prevalent in our community so how do you guys deal with similar expectations or burdens that are placed upon you and how do you end up being able to still do what you want to do while still not letting these things bother you or still kind of um, meeting those expectations? Uh, really quickly, I, and I've seen the same thing that you're talking about like with my sister, um, same type of like emphasis on that. But on my end, it's a lot of masculinity that's enforced on me, at least for my, like in my family, um, in like Indian culture, like the man has to be very, very masculine, like the way they dress and everything like that. So I feel like over like the course of my life, that has been so pushed on me especially by like my family and like and I think that does like some of it at least comes from like culture and how like different like gender roles play in our culture um so yeah at least on my end that's how I felt and Gauri I was wondering as an Indian woman as an as a Asian American woman how do you feel surrounded in our school district like what is your experience in the Hillsborough School District? I'd say my experience is somewhat complicated. Um, I have experienced times where uh, both men and women, girls and guys, have, you know, put me down or put other women down um, because of their gender, because of me or whomever else not fitting like the mold of a South a- Southeast Asian woman or um, an Indian American girl. But um, I would say that the biggest, most obvious one is typically in like the STEM field. I have a lot of friends who are in STEM cl- like clubs that are focused on STEM or robotics or are planning to go into a uh, STEM field, which is predominantly a male-dominated field still, and I have had experiences where I've heard friends talk about how, like, they're working on an experiment, and they offer up an idea, which is common sense, and a lot of times the guys that they're working with are like, oh my god, I can't believe you thought of that, even though it's pretty, like, you know, basic and preliminary, and like, just a necessary thing for them to do that everybody else overlooked. Um, And I think in general, a lot of times, women are underestimated, especially in the community, with what they want to do and what they can possibly achieve. Um, I know that, like, a lot of times, it's, like, a stereotype that arranged marriage is a big thing in uh, Indian culture, and, like, a lot of times, like, people just want girls to get married. And marriage is a really important thing in the community. But I think aside from that, there's also the thing that you don't want to rock the boat necessarily. If you've been given a ticket, just kind of take it and go with the flow. Um, For example, I am planning on studying international affairs in school. I'm planning on going to law school. and I'm planning on working in government and politics. And I remember the first time I told my mom that, she's like, don't say anything that's going to get you in trouble. Don't say anything that might like you know get you shot which is a 
somewhat of an absurd exaggeration to say. But I think that comes from the fear that if you look like me or if you look like another minority and you're a woman, a lot of times the things that you say can be taken out of context. Sometimes the things that you say can put you in some really unsafe situations. And a lot of times people don't want to hear your voice. People don't want to hear your opinion because of who you are and what you look like. And um, that's a pretty real fear. That's a pretty real thing that happens in our country. Um, But I think at the same time, we have a responsibility to future generations as well as to ourselves to rock the boat, to disrupt, I guess, the status quo and fill in the gap in those careers and in those positions that we lack and have our voice be heard because it's worth hearing and our opinions are valuable to changing society in the way that will be fit for the next generation. And I feel like when you said take it as a grain of salt and like move on with it is really prevalent to the Indian community as a whole because I feel like whenever anything kind of either bad happens or something that you know not exactly ideal it's pushed on to us you'll be fine you're an Indian American these stereotypes that are pushed on to you you'll be fine like just take it and move on with your life and I feel like I've seen that a lot in my own life where I've had to like just like take in some silly joke either about my sexuality or my being Indian and gay like take that take a joke as like a grain of salt and then just like move on with my life and not have any problem with it and I feel like that's really prevalent to the conversation right now. I think what you said kind of reminds me of this one experience that I had. I think it was like sophomore year and I was like sitting in a math class and um, I remember like a group of people in the back were making like two lists, like hottest Indian girls and hottest white girls at our school. And I remember being disgusted by it. But at the time I was just like, okay, whatever, like move on. Um, But it's just one of those things where people group women and group people into categories that are generalized and broad and think it's okay to do that and objectify them on that basis and I think that's a very prevalent issue in the United States as well as our own communities um, where this is especially true for women you're put into this broad generalized category and then that's kind of the basis for your appeal as a human being Um, And I think a similar experience to that is when somebody told me that, oh, you're not like other Indian girls, and that was supposed to be a compliment, when in reality, every individual has unique aspects to who they are, and there is no personality trait of being Indian American. Um, There are things that influences and common experiences that we share, but a lot of times people stop seeing you as an individual and start seeing you as a demographic. And I think that's a really big issue. So I think we talked about a lot of things so far, but I think one of the things that we touched upon a little bit with talking about how there's so many expectations from both 
our own communities as well as like the external pressures. But um, to kind of solidify that a little bit more, I wanted to talk about the model minority myth. So how does it feel for you guys? And um, I think that's the most important thing. How does it feel to be put on this pedestal where people always assume that you have the right answer, that you're doing well in school and have all of these pressures and stereotypes imposed on you by both our own community as well as people on the outside um, while you're still fighting these prejudices, trying to navigate through your own culture as well as assimilating and um, trying to just get through life. How do you deal with being put on this pedestal and being considered a model minority? Samarth, you can go first. Yeah, I definitely think that being a model minority, it's like it kind of it doesn't seem like discrimination when people are discriminating against you because it's like for a supposedly good thing. Like people think that, oh, like we're telling you that you're smart. You should be smart. Like that shouldn't that be a good thing? We're not being mean to you. Right. Like that's but like at the same time, that is still discrimination. And like it's just masked over the model minority myth and being put on that pedestal, like we talked about, it puts a lot of pressure on like us as Asian Americans to do well. And if we can't, we like are really like don't feel good because we're put on that pedestal to achieve such great things because of our race. So like I think doing that and having people say that that's fine to do because it's like a positive connotation is really harmful. I feel like there's a lot of praise we get as a quote-unquote modern um not modern model minority um and I feel like it's not a good type of praise because it stereotypes every single person in the Asian American community which is massive there are so many different people in this community not just including Indian people you know Asians of all sorts there it's such a large category and so the model minority myth is so harmful in the way that it kind of prevents people or makes it way harder for people to branch out out of this model minority and maybe do something more unconventional with either their life or you know just whatever that isn't exactly seen as perfect American cookie cutout kind of thing. So to close out the episode, I think the consensus that the three of us came to is that having a community of Indian Americans and the other communities that we're a part of are beneficial in many aspects, but it's also complicated and sometimes difficult to navigate. And the pressures and expectations from those different people, both external and internal to the community, sometimes makes us question our own identities, our choices, and our beliefs. In order to support each other better, we need to each make an effort to evaluate the way that we speak to other people in our communities and work together to relinquish some of the pressure that's put upon us. Prejudice and Pride is a student-run podcast from Hillsborough High School in Hillsborough, New Jersey. It was made possible by a generous grant from the NJEA Frederick L. Hip Foundation for Excellence in Education. 
The show features original music by Alec Router and is executive produced by social studies teacher Bob Fencer. We invite your feedback, stories about your experiences with race and ethnicity, and questions for future Ask Us Anything episodes. Visit us at hhspod.com or contact us at prejudiceandpride at hhspod.com.